Okay, for our message today, brought to us by Mr. Steve Andrews, entitled Star Wars. How many out there haven't heard that word, Star Wars, that title, Star Wars? Yeah, a few, a few, but not very many. It's um, a very, <laughs> I have to admit, um, I, I kind of like the movies, uh, especially 4, 5, and 6. Why they started with 4, I have no idea. But <laughs> Miriam wants to remind me that uh, I'm just one of those people that are just absolutely confident that my heroes are out there all dressed up in their spacesuits, just flying through the air, and I'm just waiting for them to get to their destination. So anyway, <laughs> um, you know, we, we like the, the heroes of Luke Skywalker and Leah and Han Solo, and oh, we like to boo the bad guys, Darth Vader, and of course that very evil, satanic Darth Lord, you know, who's uh, pushing the dark side. And it's just one of those things, you know, we just get involved in it, and yet it's all fantasy. It's all make-believe. It's not real. It doesn't really exist. It's all um, George Lucas's and J.G. Abrams and all the other ones that have put them together's minds, and, and they're put together. But that said, there really are Star Wars going on and have gone on for maybe a lot longer than, you know, far, far away and a long time ago when this happened. We have no idea all of the things that have happened in the heavenly realm. There's an interesting scripture in Revelation, the 12th chapter, and we're going to come back to this later. I only want to read two verses in it because I want to... I want to um, really develop this to help us understand what's going on and what's happening in the universe that we can't see, because there is an invisible universe, a powerful universe that we don't see. War broke out, verse 7, chapter 12. In heaven, Michael and his angels fought with the dragon. And, his, and the dragon and his angels fought. But they did not prevail, nor was there a place found for them in heaven any longer. A true Star Wars battle. And I just, it's amazing to, to, to read that. Just think about the angels fighting with one another. How do they do it? How do they, how they put it together? They got... Angelic swords, maybe so, that they fight with. They're eternal beings. They can't die. But obviously there must be a place in which one of them wins and the other one loses. And Michael always seems to win. He's a very powerful archangel. And he's one of the cherubs that covers. Let's go to Revelation, the 20th chapter. That's another real quick introduction here because... It calls him, the, the, the one that we just talked about is called the dragon. So who is the dragon? What do we know about the dragon? So in Revelation, the 20th chapter and beginning of verse 1, Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. Now, when you read that, you realize that the angels are taking care of the angels. God the Father and Jesus Christ are not involved in this particular event. It is an angel. It's probably Michael. We don't know. It doesn't say who it is. And then he has cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal on him 
so that he should deceive the nations no more till a thousand years were finished. But after these things, he must be released for a short or a little while. So we have the scenario there at the end, well, at least for that thousand-year period, of this dragon, the one that's called the devil, the one that's called Satan, uh, a serpent, of all the different things that he's called, who is bound for a thousand years. And an angel binds him. I don't know the name of the angel, but Michael has always fought in these wars. And he is a very powerful angel. So what about the origin of this, this being that finally gets locked up? And one of these, and as time passes, he will actually be put in the, um, and we have no idea exactly what the fate will be, but we do know that he, he will be cast into that uh, lake of fire <clears throat> many, many after, those, uh, after he's been loose for a short period of time. But at one time he was not called Satan. He was actually called Lucifer. So we find that in Isaiah, the, the 14th chapter. And then <clears throat> it's always good, I, when I was putting this together, I always, I've been taught this for so many times that I would, I would just open the Bible and there he was. And there, there all those things were about this being, this powerful being who God had created. How, this is this is beginning in verse 12. How you were fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, O light bringer, son of the morning, how you were cut down to the ground. You who weakened the nations, for you have said in your heart, I will ascend into the heavens. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation. On the farthest sides of the north, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high, and you shall be brought down to Sheol, into the grave, to the lowest depths of the pit. Those who will see you will gaze at you and consider you and say, This is the man who made the earth tremble, shook kingdoms, and made the world as a wilderness and destroyed its cities, who did not open the house of his um, prisoners, and now some of this is uh, about say, uh, Lucifer, and some of it is about this uh, uh, the Babylonian king. So I'm not exactly sure, but I know that that was what Lucifer was called, and he tried to take over the very throne of God. He was a very powerful, angelic being, but he misjudged his creator. He misjudged his creator. The book of Ezekiel is the other place where we find about it. And it's even more detailed about this being. He was a beautiful being. He was gorgeous, I suspect. Um, I think if any of us really were able to see um, an angelic being for sure, not their avatar that they show people, you know, they come as a man, we would probably be very, very scared. Even sometimes when they show up as men, they frighten people, and we'll see that here. In, um, in Ezekiel, the 28th, 28th chapter, beginning in verse 11, Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Send a man, take up a lamentation for the king of Tyre, and say to him, Thus says the Lord God. Now, when we all start reading this, we know this is not a man. You were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom, perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. The sardis, the topaz, the diamond, beryl, onyx, jasper, sapphire, turquoise, and emerald, with gold, the workmanship of your tabrets uh, and your pipes, was prepared for you on the day that you were created. This was a very beautiful, beautiful creator being. You were the anointed cherub who covered. Now, if you go into the New Testament, you find there is only two. They match each other 
sitting over the, the mercy seat. The wings spread. There's only two. And here, he was one of those. Not the two, but he was the third one that was part of that covering carob group. I established you. You were on the holy mountain of God. There is a, a love here that is written by God for this created being. Obviously, there must have been a really wonderful relationship at one time between these two. And he was, at the beginning, very obedient to God. And he was part of that group that was very close to God. You walk back and forth in the midst of the fiery stones. You are perfect in the ways from the day that you were created till iniquity, to lawlessness, to sin was found in you. By the abundance of your trading, you became filled with violence within, and you sinned. Therefore, I cast you as, profane, as a profane thing out of the mountain of God, and I destroyed you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the fiery stones. Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for, for the sake of your splendor. I cast you to the ground. I laid you before kings that they might gaze at you. That's coming. That's coming. One of these days, we're going to see him for what he really is when we come in to the kingdom. But at one time, this was a beautiful angel, a beautiful creature, and God obviously loved him enough to have created him for, for a wonderful and, and powerful purpose. And yet, he, was, he corrupted himself. So what do angels really look like? <laughs> do they look like men? Do they walk around? I mean, they can look like a man. They can come in that particular form. But in reality, they don't look like that at all. And in Ezekiel, the first chapter, we find out what they really look like because in the vision, Ezekiel actually gets to see them as they are uh, flying around with, with God on his portable uh, tabernacle or whatever, the portable throne, because he has one. It's kind of interesting. But I'm not going to go into that today. You can read that in the book of Ezekiel, the first chapter there, but I wanted to to cover this just really from about 4 to 11, just so that you'll know what the angelic beings really look like. Now, I'm not sure about Satan now, because then that may be, he may have been so corrupted that he's, uh, he does not look the same anymore and does not have that beauty. But then I looked, and behold, a whirlwind was coming out of the north. A great cloud was raging fire, engulfing itself. Brightness was all around it and radiating out from the midst like a color of of amber out of the midst of the fire. Also from within it came the, uh, the likeness of four living creatures, and this was their appearance. They had the likeness of a man. Each man had four faces, and each one had four wings. Their legs were straight, and the soles of their feet were like the soles of calves' feet. They sparkled like the color of burnished bronze. Boy, they were beautiful, but different. The hands of a man were under their wings and on their four sides, and each of their four, four had faces and wings. Their wings touched one another, and the creatures did not turn where they went, but each one went straight forward. As for the likeness of their faces, each had the face of a man. Each, uh, the face, um, each of the four had the face of a lion on the right side, and each of the four had the face of an ox on the left side, and each of the four had the face of an eagle. Interesting creatures, aren't they? Interesting looking creatures, aren't they? 
Thus were their faces, their wings stretched upward, two wings of each, one touched one another, and two covered their bodies. And each one went straight forward. They went wherever the spirit wanted it to go, and they did not turn when they went. So these were actually moving that portable throne of God. But if you go to the book of Revelation, there are some marked in there similar to that. Um, they only, for some reason, John is only seeing each one of these creatures on by the four faces. But this is what Ezekiel saw, and this is what God created. They are not human. They are not, um, they do not have the same destiny they were created for us that's what it says in there I won't go to that right now but they they are our servants and they will be <laughs> we'll probably get to meet our guardian angel when we come into the kingdom I hope um, he's, he's, he's gentle <laughs> with me doesn't say oh boy what a guy uh, I don't know I, could, I, I might have not survived you very much longer if you you, um, you hadn't changed or you hadn't been something different. But I look forward to that day. I want to see the angels. I want to be in that, on that sea of glass after we're resurrected. I'm not going into that today. If you want to look that up, you can look that into the book of Revelation and see all that. You can look at it in the book of Ezekiel. Let's go back to the encounter that this serpent had with our first parents, Adam and Eve, in the garden. And it, it, it tells you what kind of a, 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 what kind of character he had, what kind of, how, how beguiling he was, and how God punished him in the garden. Now the serpent was more cunning. This is a Genesis the third chapter, if, if you didn't know already. Genesis 3rd chapter beginning in that one. The serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, You may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Now that, she added that last one about touching it. But the fact was, he told her not to eat it. Then the serpent said to the woman, You shall not surely die, for God knows in the day that you eat of it, your eyes shall be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the fruit was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and the tree desirable to make one wise, she took of the fruit to ate, and she also gave it to her husband with her, and he ate. And their eyes, of both of them, were open. And they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. It is interesting that in the garden by themselves, all of a sudden, they were ashamed of their own bodies. Together, they were the only ones in there. There was no one else except this wily, crazy serpent that was telling them to sin. And yet, it was something that, that affected them. And they were ashamed, and they sowed fig leaves. They heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called Adam and said, Where are you? And he said, I heard you, your voice, in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? Then the man said, she did it. <laughs> oh, boy. God looked at him like, mm-hmm. 
The woman who you gave to me with me, she gave me of the tree and I ate. Or God said to the woman, what is it that you've done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me. And I think the New Testament says, I mean the, uh, uh, the King James Version says, he beguiled me. <laughs> you know, you get uh, Jungle Book and the serpent and the eyes that wrote, well, this must have been Satan. He was beguiling me. He, he deceived me. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than any cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go, you shall eat dust in the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. And he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Wow, now here's where the demon seed comes in. But this is not <laughs> at all uh, a good doctrine at all. This is because later on we find out that Adam knew his wife and had Cain. So there was no Satan involved, nothing about that. The seed is those that follow after. And the real seed, I mean, I, this seed that's on in my Bible is capitalized. And that seed is Jesus Christ that would finally come down through the ages. And he will defeat Satan in a great battle. Now, I don't want to get into that because that's going to be in our Bible study. But that's one of the greatest battles that has ever happened. It's a powerful battle. You want to read something without swords, but just the power of the word, it's in the Bible. Anyway, continuing on, because he shall bruise your heel and you shall bruise his head. So um, we know that the future of these things are going to happen. And um, To the woman he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your, and your conception. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. Then to Adam he said, Because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the, the tree of which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles shall bring forth for you and you shall eat of the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread, till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for dust you are, and dust you shall return. I don't really like to read that at, at funerals, because that really you, you look and how, what percentage we are of water and what percentage we are of, of, of actual material. The percentage of water is a lot higher than the actual material. And so we, we do go back to dust. And it is interesting that in the scriptures, God told them, for dust you are, because he bent down, he put the mud together, he breathed into Adam that life, that, and he became a living soul. But when we die, we go back to the dust. Our bodies do. And the Bible says the spirit goes to God, which is an imprint of us, who we are, and in that is who we are, our soul. Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. Also for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made uh, tunics of skins and clothed them. So the first sacrifice to cover the sins. And it's interesting, all of these little things that are so this is, this is like a, a huge study in just one chapter. The Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, to know good and evil, and now lest he put out his hand, and take also the tree of life, and eat that, and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken. So he drove the man... And he placed cherubim, or cherubim at the east uh, of the Garden of Eden and a flaming sword which turned every way to guard the way of the tree of life. 
Now, how long did that happen? How long was it there? How long did they witness this? Some think that there was like about 1,600 years before the flood. God did not destroy the Garden of Eden. Cherubim stood there guarding. The flaming sword spun, uh, guarding the garden. <laughs> God gave them the first weapon, I guess. I, I don't know. It's kind of interesting. <laughs> very, very profound thing that happened in this just this one chapter. All the things that were going on. And I know there's a lot more there. Let's go to Job. Well, where are you, Job? You're in here somewhere, I know. Got to be in here. Yeah, there we are. There's Job. Um, this proves that God has power over Satan, over uh, the devil. He, he rules everything, including Satan. Now, you might allow a challenge from Satan, but he rules everything. In um, Job, the first chapter, beginning of verse 6. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. And the Lord said to Satan, From where came you? And so Satan answered the Lord and said, eh, From going to and fro on the earth and from walking back and forth on it. Because well, he was kind of confined to the earth. That's where he was supposed to be anyway, but he's not very happy about it. And the Lord God said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil? So Satan answered the Lord and said, Does, God, does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge around him, um, around his household, and around all that he has, every side? You have blessed the works of his hands and his possessions, and it increased uh, in, his, uh, in the land. But now stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, and he will surely curse you uh, to your face. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your power, only do not lay a hand on his person. So Satan went out from his presence of the Lord, and he killed all of his children and took all of his... It was devastating for Job. I'm not going to read through that, but it just... It was a devastating thing that Satan did to him. And all the Job did not sin nor charge God with wrong. Verse 22. In chapter 2, again, there was a day when the sons of God came to the presence that present themselves before the Lord. And Satan came also among them and presented himself before the Lord, and the Lord said to Satan, From whence do you come? And Satan answered the Lord and said, I am from going to and fro in the earth and from walking back and forth on it. So, I'm kind of bored. And the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and shuns evil? And still he holds fast to his integrity. Although you've in, in, um, incited me against him to destroy him without cause. So Satan answered the Lord and said, skin for skin. Yeah, all that a man has he will give for his life. But stretch out your hands now and touch his bone and his flesh and he will surely curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, behold, he is in your hands, but spare his life. So Satan went out presence of the Lord and struck Job with painful boils from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. And he took for himself a potsherd with which to scrape himself while he sat in the midst of the ashes. And there his wife said to him, do you still hold fast to your integrity? Curse God and die. But he said to her, you speak as one of the foolish women, one of the foolish women speaks. Shall we indeed accept good from God, and shall we not accept adversity? 
In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. But he was a little self-righteous, and God finally had to ask, <laughs> had to take care of that at the end, and showed him what all the things that that, and then Job finally repented of that. But through all all of that, and he had these friends, and they were counseling him, and they had all this philosophy going on, and he still did not curse God. But Satan hates us. He hates us. He hates us so much that today, if we speak up and speak out against things that are sinful in the world, we are liable to, to find the wrath of our, <laughs> of our own nation. I get an interesting magazine. Uh, it's called The Whistleblower by World Net Daily. This one is called The Elites and All Out War on Free Speech. And this happened in Oklahoma. So I was very surprised, and I think a lot of us that probably read this about this uh, individual were quite surprised. But there was a judge that has issued a restraining order against an online preacher threatening him with jail if over the next five years he offends somebody by citing Bible verses that oppose same-sex marriage or exposing children to drag queen performances. Five years. Cannot open his mouth or he's going to jail. The shocking court action is being challenged by uh, the public interest law firm. And I'm, I'm not going into that, but this is the restraining order says the attorney group constitutes an attempt by the courts to silence individuals whose religion religious views may be perceived as intolerant or hateful. The five-year restraining order was invoked against Rich uh, Pinkowski, an online preacher threatened with arrest after citing Bible verses on social media to express his moral concerns about the church that in, 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 uh, endorses same-sex marriage and raising awareness about the public drag queen performance that occurred in front of children. Everything that we believe and try to teach, he now potentially faces a year in jail if he opens his mouth and begins to say the same things online that he had been saying. It's here. It's already here. Satan is already working his work on this earth. He is a, he is a powerful being. He is like a roaring lion looking for those in which he can devour. And the ones he wants to devour are those that believe in the word of God. Uh, even those that, you know, aren't like we, that understand a lot more. But they, anyone that preaches Jesus Christ, believes in the, in the Ten Commandments, is now being threatened by our own country that was founded on freedom. Freedom of speech, no less. Freedom of expression. Freedom to give and help others to understand truth. And now we're being suppressed. I mean, you open your mouth about you know, certain things, you can be called any number of, uh, well, I can't even think of all the different things that you can be called. And now, potentially facing different uh, jail sentences because we believe in God's word. We believe in the truth. In Ephesians, the, the second chapter. Beginning in verse 1. And you he has made alive, who were dead to trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. The airways are full. The libraries now are full. The different places um, are full of this kind of stuff. Satan is promulgating this all over. He is influencing time and time again against this word, this truth, this way of life. How many are going to follow? 
Are we going to be led astray because of the persecution that might come on? I hope not. I hope we're strong. And I know this preacher is facing uh, quite a uh, quite a trial in his life, but he preached the truth. He preached God's word. He says, "Among whom also we all we." Uh, all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were of the nature of children of wrath, just as the others. But God, who is rich in mercy, because he is a great love, which he loved us, even when he, we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in the kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest you should boast. For we are his workmanship. I, I love that, that verse. I love that verse. We are his workmanship. If we're his workmanship, that means he's involved in our life. And he knows our weaknesses. And he also knows what Satan's doing out there, and he knows what's going on in the world, and he knows how these things are transpiring. And as we see the day getting closer, which I think with some of the things that are going on in the world, we might be um, around to watch Christ return. No matter, we will be in the kingdom even if we sleep. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and it's not of yourselves, it's the gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared before the, um, beforehand that we should walk in them. Let's see, did I have the rest of that? I think I was going to finish right there. So let's go to Daniel. Let's find another one. I, I, I really found this one. I always have found this one very profound. And the reason why is that our prayers sometimes are very powerful before God. Now, I've never fasted as much as Daniel did that time, but I have fasted three days um, in, a, in a very deep trial that I had in my life. But the, Daniel, Daniel was fasting and praying for the nation. <laughs> we, we need that. Um, in the beginning in, in Daniel verse 10, verse 1, in the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a message was revealed to Daniel, whose name was called Belteshazzar. The message was true, uh, but the appointed time was long, and he understood the message and had understanding of the vision. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. I ate no uh, pleasant food, nor uh, meat or wi uh, wine came into my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all till there were, uh, these three whole weeks were fulfilled. Now, on the 24th day of the first month, as I was in the side of the great river, that is, in the Tigris, I lifted my eyes and looked, and behold, a certain man clothed in linen, whose waist was girded with, a gold, um, with gold of Euphaz. His body was like beryl. His face shined uh, like the appearance of, of, of lightning, and his eyes like torches of fire, and his arms and feet were burnished like bronze in color, and the sound of his voice was like the voice of the multitude. And I, Daniel, alone saw the, the vision for the men who were with me and did not see the vision, but with a, a great terror um, fell upon them, and they all fled and hid themselves. I can imagine that one. Therefore I was left alone, and when I saw the great vision, and no strength remained in me, for my vigor was turned uh, to frailty in me, and I retained no strength. Yet I heard the sound of his voice, uh, the, the sound of his words, and while I heard the sound of his words, I was in deep sleep on my face, 
with my face to the ground. By the way, that is the uh, reverence of prayer, not being falling backwards, but deeply face to the ground, as Daniel shows his prayers and his, his uh, spiritual attitude. You can learn a lot about <laughs> being in captivity and being a very re uh, righteous and, and, and religious person from Daniel, and, and you can learn a lot from him. Suddenly a hand touched me, which made me tremble on my knees and on the palms of my hands, and he said to me, Oh, Daniel, man, greatly beloved. And boy, wow. <laughs> uh, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for I have now been sent to you. While he was speaking these words to me, I stood trembling. And then he said to me, Do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day, That one always gets me. From the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourselves before your God, your words were heard. And I have come because of your words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. A battle was going on for 21 days. Trying to keep this angel, I think it's Gabriel, not sure, Everybody said, but he, 21 days keeping from, from Daniel. And behold, Michael, and so while they were battling, Michael comes along. One of the chief priests, uh, the princes came um, uh, to help me, for I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. Now I have come to make you understand what will happen to your, and your people in the latter days. For the, rever the, the vision refers to many days yet to come. Of course, from here on, he gets all of this, and at the end he asks, well, when's it going to happen? He says, well, you're going to sleep, and then it's going to come to pass. You're not going to, to really be around when it comes, comes and happens. And so we find uh, so much here. I'm, I'm, I think I was going to go all the way to the end of this. Um, he said, I come to make you understand what happened to the people in the latter days, for the vision refers to many days to come. When he had spoken such words to me, I turned my face towards the ground and became speechless. And suddenly, one having the likeness of the sons of men touched my lips, and then I opened my mouth and spoke, saying to him, Who stood before me? My Lord, because of the vision, my sorrows had been overwhelmed me. And I have retained no strength. For how can this servant of my, of my Lord talk with you, my Lord? As for me, no strength remains in me now, nor is any breath left in me. Then again, the one having the likeness of the man touched me and strengthened me. And he said, O man, greatly beloved, fear not. Peace be to you. Be strong. Yes, be strong. So when he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, Let my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. Then he said, Do you know why I have come to you? And now I must return to fight with the prince of Persia. And when I have gone forth, indeed the prince of Greece will come. But I will tell you what is noted in the scriptures of truth. No one upholds me against these except Michael, your prince. And so <laughs> great battles have gone on. After a prayer of supplications from Daniel. Very powerful message there. I am um, trying to remember how much time I've got here. I think I've got enough time. I, I love I like this one. Um, this one doesn't have to do with Satan. <laughs> it has to do with the angel. And I've always I've always thought it's either they, they don't have a sense of humor, or they do have a sense of humor. I'm not sure which. In Luke, the, the first chapter, beginning in verse 5, and you know what this one is all about. There was a day uh, of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah. His wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. 
and they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commands and ordinances of the Lord blameless. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well advanced in years. So it was that while he was serving as a priest before God in order of his division, according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to turn in incense and when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people was praying outside at the hour of incense. And an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayers have served. And your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. And he will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even in his mother's womb. Wow, this is very special. He was going to be a Nazarite from the beginning. And so uh, in the story of John is a very powerful one. Uh, he, he, didn't leave any, he didn't leave any doubt uh, about the scriptures. He, he was on to everyone. He was a powerful tool to bring in Jesus Christ. He will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also go before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah said unto the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is well advanced in years. <laughs> I like this one. Either, um, I, I think they're a little bit on the serious side. He, said, he answered and said, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God, and who was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings. But behold, you will be mute and not be able to speak until the day these things take place because you did not believe my words which will be fulfilled in its own time, in their own time. And the people waited for Zacharias and marveled that he lingered for so long. But when he came out, he could not speak to them. And they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple for he beckoned to them to, and remained speechless. And so it wasn't until... John was born that he got his speech back. He was out there writing, you know. <laughs> Please. And pointing or something. So, let's go to, um, I've got a couple minutes here. Probably a little longer than I wanted to, but I wanted to cover this couple of last things here. Let's go back to Revelation, the 12th chapter, where I started out. And let's pick it up in, in uh, the verse, verse 1 this time. Now a great sign re, um, appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon, and under her feet, and on her head was a garland of twelve stars. Then being with child and cried out in labor and pain, gave birth. Another sign appeared in heaven, behold, a great fiery red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns and seven diadems on his uh, heads. His tail drew a third part of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the, and the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born. She bore a male child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up to God in his throne. Of course, it's all about Jesus. And then the woman fled into the wilderness where she was in place prepared for God by God, that they should feed her there 1,260 days. A war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought. But they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil, and Satan, who deceives the whole world, he is cast into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and kingdom of our God and power of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren, who accused them before our God day and night, has been cast down. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, 
and they did not love their lives to death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and to the sea, for the devil has come down to, uh, to you having great wrath, because he knows that he has a short time. I have no idea. I don't know. We're in that time, but I do know there are a lot of things going on in society that are very, very strange. People are doing things that um, I would have never thought them to do, killing lots of people and then killing themselves. Um, I know it's happened in the past, but it seems like it's more prevalent today. Maybe it's just because the news is more prevalent. But there are a lot of things going on in the society that we live in. Be aware. Be close to God. Back to Revelation, the 20th chapter. I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit, and a great chain. And he held, he laid hold on the dragon, the serpent of old, who was the devil and Satan, bound him a thousand years. He cast him into the bottomless pit, shut him up, set a seal on him, so they should not deceive the nations no more till a thousand years were finished. But after those things, he must be released. I look forward to the day when he is chained and we have a thousand years of peace on this earth. The whole world is being uh, infected by the prince of the power of the air. We must take up the battle with the full armor of God. We must be willing to reach out with the true gospel of, of the good news, no matter what the situation might be. There are many that will pay the price. But the reward is great because the kingdom of God is at hand.